Welcome, everybody, to Discover Community Church. It is Easter. He is risen. Love that. One of the few, I said last service, one of the few churchy things that I like is that everybody seems to know that phrase, that call and response. It is, it is an amazing day. I mean, the weather is beautiful. It's great to be gathered here among the body of Christ. We have new friends coming in. We have faces we haven't seen in a while coming in. Um, it's, just, it's just a wonderful time. And as Pastor Gabe said, the Easter egg hunt was... At our scale, it was epic, right? But next year, 650 eggs? Nah. I think we'll double that at least as a starting point. But, um, but it was wonderful. And so my, my gift to you today is not only to, I hope, be able to share a message that will impact your heart and your, and your life ultimately, um, but this is one opportunity that a pastor has to give you the gift of time. So I promise that I will keep the message concise, not short, but concise, um, so, that, um, so that you can get out and enjoy this wonderful day out there that the Lord made for us, that you can enjoy your brunch and your family time together, because what a wonderful time to just spend with family. But I'm glad we are blessed that you took some time to come and spend with us. So pretty much anybody, whether you are a non-Christian or a marginal Christian, or a full-time, hardcore, every Sunday and, and during the week Christian, um, you've heard of Easter, right? Almost everybody has heard of Easter, and at least has kind of an understanding of what that means, right? It means that Jesus was in a tomb, and then the next day he wasn't, okay? Some people, that's the entire extent of what they know of Easter, but Easter, not only Easter, but the Easter season or the Holy Week, or again, whatever name traditionally you've used for it, there's so much that happens during that week. You know, we, we, just the highlights, Palm Sunday, uh, Ash Wednesday, Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, Easter Sunday, and I'm sure there are some that I missed in there. But there are so many things going on. And some of us, again, have sort of a marginal understanding of what those things are. But here's what I want to do. Since most of us know at least the basics of the story of Easter, a resurrected Christ, and how just amazing that is. I use the word story, but I always have to catch myself. It's an event. It happened. It's historical. And there's proof that that happened. So this isn't just some fairy tale. It happened. And when that happened, it's more than just the act that happened. It's more than just the event. It's what it did for us. So when we look at all the different events, we go all the way back. Let's just start with, with Good Friday. Who here was at our Good Friday service last week? I thought it was wonderful. It touched my heart. I hope it did yours too. And we'll definitely be doing that again next year. But on Good Friday, we celebrate the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. And if you missed the message on Good Friday and you don't know why we can celebrate someone's death, it's because of what it accomplished for us. But what I want to focus on is the second half of his death and crucifixion on the cross 
and the resurrection from the tomb. The second half of that, the resurrection from the grave. It accomplished so much for us, and it's an entirely different thing than the crucifixion on the cross, but equally, if not more important that it did. Anybody know what his crucifixion and death on the cross accomplished? I paid the penalty for our sins. Without going into all the churchy language, just, just cut right to it, that paid the penalty for our sins. Every sin that had been created or had been done and every sin that would be done. Jesus Christ paid that price to a just and righteous God who couldn't just turn his eyes and say, well, I see you all sitting down there, but it, really it's okay because you meant well. God is a just God and he is a righteous God and he can't just turn his back on sin. A price had to be paid and Jesus Christ paid that price for us. That's what he did on the cross. Then, on Resurrection Sunday, the day that we're commemorating here today, he rose from the tomb, literally escaped death and the tomb to walk in new life, right? And when he did that, he accomplished something entirely different for us. That's what we're going to talk about today. Because when Jesus rose from the tomb... He crushed, made a mockery of, forever obliterated the single biggest weapon that Satan has over us on this earth. Anybody know what that is? Death. Death. You may have trouble. We may all have things that we're worried about, health and, and bills and relationships and all the things that just trouble us in this life. But the ultimate trouble is death. And by his triumph over the grave, he gave us that victory over death. That's no small thing, guys. His glorious victory over the worst thing that Satan could throw at him bought for us a life of freedom, a life of power, a life of peace, and most importantly, a life of purpose. Because eternal life with no purpose, what is that good for? I don't want to just go through life sitting on a cloud playing a harp. Anybody here? Apologies if you enjoy the harp, but the harp is a wonderful instrument, but I want to play it for the rest of my life. I want to have other things going on but a life of purpose. That's what we're gonna talk about here today. A life of purpose, a higher purpose, much higher purpose than simply just surviving. Anybody here, you don't have to raise a hand, ever feel like just getting through life is just a series of just surviving to one, from one day to the next? I know I have days where I feel like that. I know some of you do too. Some of you, that may be what your entire life looks like is I just want to survive to the next day and to the next day. I can't even think about a higher purpose or a higher thing. But Jesus calls us to a higher purpose. You were made for a higher purpose. And you're not made to do it alone. You're made to do it by his side and with this body of Christ. That's what we're called to do. 
And so most of us, again, whether you're a marginal Christian or not one at all or a seasoned Christian, you've heard this passage in one time or another. John 3.16. This scripture is being shown at churches all over the world today because it's so significant. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, do you understand that your eternal life doesn't begin the day you die? So many people believe that. When I die, that's when my eternity starts. That's when my eternal life starts. That's not true. Your eternal life began the day that you said yes to Jesus Christ in your life. It began that day. So my question to you is do your days look like someone who has been granted eternal life? Of power, of peace, of purpose. If your every day just looks like survival, I would challenge you that you are not walking in the freedom and the peace and the purpose that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the tomb to give you. Did you know that if you're here today or you're out there online, wherever you are, if you haven't made the decision to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you could do that right now, today, and your eternity would begin today. Your eternity of power, of peace, of purpose. That all starts the moment that you say yes to Jesus. And it's not... You don't have to learn the secret handshake. You don't have to be able to quote scripture. You don't even have to be able to explain what's happening. You just have to say yes to the offer. Christ offers you that freedom. He offers you that eternity. He offers you that reconciliation with God that many people have never even experienced, so you don't know what you're missing. But if you feel like there's some sort of a hole in your life where a purpose should be. That purpose is Jesus. We'll have prayer team in the back after service. If you want to talk about making that decision, or I'll be here afterwards, if you want to talk about making that decision, maybe for the first time, we'd love to talk to you. But the reward for making that decision will be the ability to have a supernatural peace as you face the storms of this life. Because make no mistake, saying yes to Christ doesn't mean there won't be a storm in your life. It doesn't mean there won't be trouble. In fact, we're promised that there will be trouble. It's another message for another day. But in the middle of the storms of this life, you can have peace. Is there anybody here who doubts that life is chaotic right now? the world, chaos. Does anybody think it's getting better and not worse? Doesn't it seem like it's just getting worse? It seems like it's hurtling down the track of just getting worse every single day. There's a thing called, it's either called a word cloud or a tag cloud, depending on what you want to call it, but I want to show you one. I took five minutes to just brainstorm the top troubling topics of today. And I threw it into this, into this word cloud here, and it, and it put them together. 
I don't know, you probably can't see it super well online, you can probably see it a little bit better. But it's got things like artificial intelligence, human trafficking, healthcare, gun control, free speech, education, climate change, corruption, homelessness, hunger, LGBTQ issues, green energy, COVID-19 still hanging around, drought, human rights, religious decline, and many, many more. I would imagine if you looked at it, probably the one that is foremost in your brain jumped out at you. And there's, and there's so many more than this. Who would have thought even a year ago that artificial intelligence was something that we would have to be worried about today? Doesn't it seem like the world just continues to heap things to worry about onto your already full plate of things to worry about? Anybody here not have enough things to worry about? It seems like every time you turn around, there's something else. And those things, they're real issues. I'm not saying don't be concerned about those issues. Hear me. We need to understand the issues. We need to be concerned about the issues. And in some cases, God will put it on your heart to pursue that issue and to do everything that you can for that issue. And if that's you, that's wonderful. But what we are not called to do is take all these burdens onto our shoulders and carry them with us as we go. But that's what the enemy wants to do. Let me ask you this. Would you be willing to give up your attempts to control all of those issues in exchange for supernatural peace? We've all heard the term that control is an illusion, right? It's so true. There are very little things in this world that we can control. The idea of trying to control something, really what it boils down to is trying to take in all these things that the world has going on And then your attempts to control them, really what we're trying to do is we're trying to achieve the outcome that we think is best. I can tell you that my feeble human brain is nowhere near capable of figuring out what the best solution is to any of those issues, much less all of them. Only God can know every every possible angle of every possible issue Only he knows what the best outcome to any of those are, much less all of them. And yet, the enemy wants to keep heaping those onto our plates so that we walk around absorbed in trying to control all these things and then being fearful that we can't make a real difference in them. And what that does is distract us from the mission that God has for us. That's what I want to talk to you about. Even Jesus knew that God's will is perfect. I say even because there was a moment. There was a moment, Luke twenty two forty two, where Jesus says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. See, in his flesh, he was hoping there was a different way. But ultimately, what's he say? My seasoned Christians, what's he say after that? but not my will, but yours be done. 
Luke twenty two forty two. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. That phrase is more powerful than I think any of us can imagine. The ability to really, truly in your heart say, not my will, Lord, but yours be done. Say it with me. Let's say it together. Not my will, but yours be done. If you could say that from your heart, like I'm not just saying the words, I really mean it. It's not my will. It's your will. And, I'm, and I'll rest in that. If you could truly say that, then the reward, as Jesus says, is a burden, all those burdens and more than we can imagine, lifted from your shoulders and put back where they belong. John 14, 27, Jesus says, peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Do not let your hearts be troubled nor fearful. See, a peaceful heart in the middle of the chaos of this world, that is a reward for saying yes to Jesus. Your faith in him is rewarded with peace in the midst of chaos. So it's a reward, but it's also a weapon to be used to destroy the schemes of Satan, the fear that he would plant in your lives, that very same faith in Jesus that rewards you with a peaceful heart. That's a weapon. It's a reward and it's a weapon. And it's also a tool to be used to accomplish the mission that Jesus handed down to us. Anybody remember what that mission was? Most of you do. Let's talk about it again. What's that mission again? discipleship, evangelism. It comes in so many different words. Here's what Jesus said, John 6, 39. And this is the will of him who sent me, that of everything he has given me, I will lose nothing but raise it up on that last day. That none will be lost. None will be lost. That's the will of the Father. And then Jesus hands that very same mission onto his disciples. And when he does that, he says this, John 20, 21. So Jesus said to them again, peace be to you. Just as the Father has sent me, I also send you. That's the handing of the baton. The very same mission being handed to the disciples. Now, it begs a question, send us to do what exactly? Because we're all really good with vagueness, Right? What exactly are we being sent to do? Matthew 28, 19, 20, Jesus' own words. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I have commanded you. And behold, listen to this part. Save it for later. I am with you always to the end of the age. Notice he says, go and do these things. And in the very same statement says, I'm with you always. What kind of peace would we have going through our days and facing the trials if we really understood that Jesus was never far from our side? He was always there. That's what he's saying right there in that scripture. 
And then that very same mission that was passed on to the original disciples directly from Jesus was then passed on to the body of Christ at large. Who's the body of Christ? Anyone know? It's all of us. Everyone throughout the entire world that calls Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior is a part of the body of Christ. You are a part of the body of Christ here at this location, but the body of Christ spreads all over the world, and we all have the very same mission. Paul said it like this, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 13. For just as the body is one and yet has many parts, all of the parts of the body, though they are many, are one body. So also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Church, we are all one together. We are all one together. We're not individuals when it comes to the body of Christ. We are all a part of it. None more powerful, none more important than the next. But we all have the very same mission to accomplish with the gifts that Christ has given us. So as Jesus was raised from the dead on that glorious morning that we now call Easter, he escaped death in the tomb. And so we too, who call on him as Lord, are given new life. We are given that same new life and the power and the authority to walk in it. Paul said in Romans 6, 4, Paul wrote this, therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death so that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in the newness of life. That new life is a pardon from your crimes, a pardon from your sins against God, a full pardon, and along with that, given a life of freedom, power, and purpose. And the supernatural peace to be able to live in that freedom. On the cross, when Jesus took his last breath and said, it is finished, he gave up his spirit for you. And for everyone who would receive that word, and it's our job to make sure everyone has the chance to receive that word. It's not us to go and actually convert people. It's up, it's up to us just to share the word, just to share who he is, share his love, be a reflection of that love. That's our mission. Three days later, when he rose from the tomb, we are promised that he walks alongside us as we walk in that mission. We're literally promised that. Remember Matthew 28, the great commission, go and do this. I am with you always to the end of the age. There's no, good luck with that. We'll meet at the pearly gates and you'll let me know how it went. He's with you all the time with the peace and the power to go do it. Do you remember when I said earlier that if you haven't accepted Jesus, you could make that decision right now and your eternity would start today. That is true. 
all you have to do is say yes to the offer. Again, you don't have to go through classes or memorize scripture or, or, or you don't have to do any of that. No secret handshakes. You just have to say yes. And you can do it sitting there in your seat. You could stand up and wave your arms and do it. You could go in the back and talk to one of our prayer team. We have people with lanyards that say prayer team. You could go back, talk to them, and they'll help you understand what was happening. I will be around after service. I would love to talk to you about making that decision. Because in this world, there is no more valuable gift than the gift of peace and power and purpose. One without the other is ineffective, but with all three, we are a powerful force in this world. And it's something unlike the world knows. I want to go out in this world and have that kind of peace where people look at me and say, how can you be so peaceful with everything that's going on? Because I tell you, no one's drawn when they drawn to you or drawn to Christ in you when they see you freaking out in the middle of a storm. Nobody says, I want that. How do I get more of that in my life? We have that. We're called to be different. And we're called to something higher. And that is peace in the middle of chaos. And that is only possible with the gift of Christ. You say yes to him, and you have that gift. So we should all, all of us who have said yes to Christ, we should walk out in the knowledge that we have those things. We don't have to hope for it. We don't have to pray for it. We have those things. That's a promise, and that's secure. And if we walk in this life like we have them, not like we're trying to earn them, but that we have them already. They've been given to us freely. Then we walk in the purpose that he had for us. Amen? I'm gonna, we're gonna serve communion right now. The way that we do it here, I'm gonna teach on it for just a minute, so it'll be just a second before we do. But communion is one of the most powerful things that the body of Christ can do. And whether you've been a Christian your whole life or you said yes today, then I invite you to take communion with us today. Communion, sometimes it's called the Lord's Supper. It's got various names that are used to describe the sacrament or the, the, the holy action that it is. But it is one of the most powerful things that we as the body of Christ can do together. Because every time we do it, we are saying yes to what Christ did for us. We are saying thank you. And more importantly than that, we are saying I accept the mission. The Lord showed me a picture last service. When we do communion here, what we do, come to the middle of the aisles and form a line, and we'll have a station there and a station here. He showed me a picture of us lined up, just like troops going into battle. And when we come down and we receive communion, we are lining up under his banner. And we're saying, yes, as one body and as individuals within that body, we are going to go out and we are going to do battle with the lies of the enemy. We're gonna be different than this world thinks we are. And we're gonna win lives for Christ. That's our job. So when we take communion, we're saying yes to that. Jesus said this, John 6, 53, 56. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. 
The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me. And the last words, and I in him. It's a powerful act, and not one to be taken lightly. When we partake in communion, we demonstrate we're one in spirit with him, we're one in spirit with one another. And that's what we're doing. I'm going to read a last verse from Paul, 1 Corinthians, before we dismiss into communion. 1 Corinthians 11, 23-26, Paul wrote this, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So as we come forward to receive communion, let's do it in a humble heart, a repentant heart, and a steadfast heart to go into this world and share the word of Christ, share who he is, and make sure that none are left behind. Because when he rose from the tomb, gave you victory over death. He gave you peace and purpose. Let's live our lives worthy of that peace and worthy of that purpose. Amen? Thank you, guys. You can be dismissed for communion.